needs all the help she can get. Okay? But she's not ever going to wonder about the people in Bay City who, why would they do that? Several of us resolved this idea of blessing people and doing it personally. Several of us have committed and decided to bless three people every week. A person, at least one person in our church family, one person who is not a part of any church, and a third person who can be in either of those categories. Uh, about at least three people every week we're going to bless them on purpose and personally. We also found out that people doing this in Jesus to seven ways to go bridges at table. So we need to eat with people, too. And having coffee with people eat, that's not just eating. Because, you know, well, some of us don't need anything past the coffee to enjoy being with others. But several of us have chosen to eat with three people every week. We're, we're making that our goal. At least three people. Again, somebody in the church, somebody who's not part of the church, and another person. At least three people. We've chosen to eat with you. Three people each week. Yes, we also noticed, as I mentioned before, when we someone asks us, why do you do what you do? The answer is always Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. Point people to Jesus. Well, I was raised this way. My grandma would beat the heart out of me if I was just to do that. That's not the right answer. Why are you blessing me? Why are you spending time with me? Why are you listening to me and encouraging me? Well, there's this guy named Jesus. That's the answer. The answer is always Jesus. And several of us have determined that we're going to learn more about Jesus each week so that when we talk about Jesus, we know him better than we did ever known him before. And then last week we, we came up with this nice little, well, paraphrase, nice little, little, little song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, trusting the Spirit to guide this life of mine. The Holy Spirit will let you know when and where to build bridges and who to build bridges with as you trust and believe you. But in order to know when he's leading you, you have to learn how to listen to him. Recognize his voice. And so several of us have resolved to listen to the Holy Spirit at least once each week and then take time to sit still, be quiet, and listen to what he has to say. We're going to talk about this thing this week. We'll say this in just a few moments. But the goal of all these things that we've been talking about is to help us, first of all, to help us enjoy a relationship with Jesus that's growing and vibrant. But also a relationship with Jesus that helps other people know Him as well. So if we're wanting to enjoy a relationship with Jesus that makes it easy for other people to follow Him, uh, it's a new way of thinking about sharing our faith. It's not the way we, I was taught growing up in the church. It's not the way I was taught to be taught to sharing your faith. Uh, and we've we talked about that, so I'm not going to get into it. 
This whole thing is motivated and shaped by Jesus' love. And this is not really new because Paul wrote about it in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What he said is, the love of Christ compels us. Control can compel us because we have concluded that one died for all. Therefore, all died and he died for all so that all those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for their sake. The core idea is that our lives should be shaped and controlled, our actions should be motivated and controlled and shaped by the love of Jesus. Is it something that we're doing that isn't out of the love of Jesus? We need to stop doing it and replace it with something that we are doing motivated by the love of Jesus. Now, there's a series in there, but it's not part of this morning. You're welcome. I'll see you for later. So, before we dive into uh, uh, the text that we're going to look at today from John chapter 20, uh, I want to kind of get us into because we're jumping right in the middle of a chapter, John chapter 20, verse 10. So, and it's important things that have happened in the first uh, few verses. Let me set the scene. It is this Easter Sunday, the very first resurrection Sunday that we'll be reading about. One week before the events that we were about to read about and talk about, uh, Jesus had rode into the city, into Jerusalem, to a hero's welcome. A conquering king's welcome. Hope was electrified the air. Everybody was in high forward. You know, the day has come. The Messiah, the king of kings, is here. He's got a sick Roman. Everything went downhill from there. Instead of going to the Roman court, Jesus went into the temple and went to work. Now, some people may think that doesn't fit the Sunday school story, as you were told, but let me tell you, you don't be pretty well over the edge. When all you have is a strip of rope and soldiers with swords, spears, and armor to get out of your way. When the pain security decides it's better to leave this guy with a piece of rope alone than to try to stop him, you out there. And he cleared the temple cords, the temple cords of the merchants and the bankers. And the religious leaders began to argue with him like they had never argued with him before. There were days and days and Thursday evening after he had celebrated Passover with his disciples for the last time. The mob arrested him in the Garden of Gethsemane, led by one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. During the night, the religious leaders said, Mocked him and beaten him and condemned him to die in an illegal trial. And on Friday, they turned him over to the Roman army for crucifixion. And he was crucified. He died. He was buried by two guys named Joseph and Nicodemus. There's going to be more about Joe and Nick on Easter Sunday. I'm just going to tell you the title of the message. 
how dumb this can be to us. You don't want to be here for this. And you want to bring people for this. I'll go through now. I want you to be praying for that Sunday because I'm going to tell you now and I'm going to tell everybody right before the message. At the end of the message, I'm going to invite people who have never decided to follow Jesus. Never committed, he says, and never said yes to his invitation to follow. I'm going to ask them to do it in that place. That will only happen if we pray for people. If you get nothing else out of anything I said today, we need to pray for people to say yes and to follow Jesus. That's what Easter's all about. Here's the Bible. He was buried with Joseph and Nicodemus. And here on Sunday morning, early in the morning, a group of women led by Mary, Mary Jesus' mother, Mary, had gone to the tomb to complete the process of burial that had been interrupted because of the beginning of the Sabbath, uh, the Passover celebration. So there was a woman named Mary Magdalene who was part of that. And when they arrived in the tomb, they, they found the tomb open. And Mary and Magdalene ran to the uh, found Peter and John. She told them what they found. The two disciples had a race. They ran to the, the tomb. John was faster. He got there first, but he was out of breath. He didn't go in. Peter, you know, he's the guy who just does stuff. He didn't slow down. He just ran right back to us standing in there painting and went right into the tomb. John followed him. It was empty. Up in there. Very well. That was the, that's, that's the end of verse, uh, the first 10 verses of, of chapter 20. Peter John had a race. They got to the tomb. It was empty. They went home. In verse 11, Mary was outside the tomb crying. As she wept, the family she came along too, caught up with them. As she wept, she stooped and looked in, and she saw two white robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? They asked her. I just kind of going to stop for a moment to, to point out this is one of those questions that I always want to. This is a cemetery. And this is a grave. So, just curious to me why you would ask somebody to be in a cemetery by a graveside way of thought. But that's what they did. She says, because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Same question. Who are you looking for? She thought it was the right to the church that the church comes there. So she said, Sir, if you have taken them away, tell me where you have put me, and I will go and get them. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, 
the deceiver who teaches. Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Now, what do you know something here? The very first missionary, the very first sent one, or apostle, was a woman named Mary Magdalene. The very first person given the message of Jesus' resurrection and his word following his resurrection was a woman. Now, that may not seem like a really big deal, but at that particular time in history, in that culture, and that's what is true in the Jewish culture and the Roman culture, a woman's testimony was useless and worthless in court. It's something like a woman said it was stupid. I, I'm not making that up. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that's where it was like that. So think about this just for a moment. If somebody was going to make up a story about Jesus being resurrected, would they have the very first person who sees it being someone whose word is always considered stupid? Worthless? Doesn't make any sense, would it? If you were writing the story, you making up the story, would you just give it a testimony that somebody nobody would believe? This is not a made-up story. There are people who want to tell you that this story was made up. It was made up. It was made up by a bunch of people who didn't know what they were doing. And yet it's still powerful and changing lives 2,000 years later. Hmm. Well, I know where I fall on this. It's not a made-up story. It's the actual fact. The first person to see Jesus was a woman named Mary. And he gave her an assignment and sent her. And this assignment went like this. Go. Three parts. Go. Leave where you are. Go. Two. Five. Look for. Search out. This is, you need to do this on purpose. It's not an accident. You know, if you're kind of strolling through Jerusalem, if you happen to see my, my disciples, you just tell them. Go find them. Leave where you are. Talk. Search for them. And three, tell them my message. So I'm going to give you a hint right now. Give you a blessing for your assignment. Go find them. So verse 18 tells us, Mary Magdalene found the disciples, so obviously she left, because they weren't in the, in the cemetery, they weren't in the garden. She found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord, and then she gave them this message. Did, did you notice that? I want you to read that carefully. She found the disciples, and she shared her story. I've seen Jesus. Then she gave him the message. 
people far from God are reading to you. We need to hear our stories before they're going to be ready to hear what Jesus teaches. People far from God are reading to you. We need to hear our stories about how Jesus has changed us before they're ready for us to start telling them what He teaches. So here's the sermon in the sentence. This is the way to remember this whole thing. There's a story you must tell for God's glory. It's the story, your story, and how Jesus may be part of His story. Tell for God's glory. And it's your story. And how Jesus may be part of His story. I read something recently that really made me think a lot. Simple sentence, powerful truth. Religious people have preferences. Sent people have stories. Religious people have preferences. Sent people have stories. People who've been sent have a story to tell about what Jesus has done, has done, and is doing in their life. So, here's the rest of the story for for, uh, for us, because we all can't be married. We can be we can like married, but we can't all be married. It tells us in verse 19 that that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, who had Jesus killed, so they were saying, that makes sense. Alright, suddenly Jesus was standing there. All the bars and windows are locked, and the curtains are drawn, and all of a sudden, I love this place. He has a way to pop it up. And he says, Peace be with you. And he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he says to them, and again, he says to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. We can all be married, but we are all sent. He was the first one to be sent. If he's not done sending, he sends all of us. If we follow him, he will send us. We are all sent to build bridges so that people find who are far from God find a way to come home with them. Father sent his son. Jesus, our resurrected king, sends us too. And in order for us to go, he gives us the Holy Spirit. Now, before you make the mistake of going, yeah, but. I want to 
points out something about Jesus that we often overlook. At the very, one of the very first things, before he began to preach, before he began to teach, before he went around healing people, Jesus went to see a guy named John in the Jordan River, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when he came up out of the water, Holy Spirit descended on him. And then he went out to preach the truth. The same personal, powerful presence that Jesus experienced that worked in him and through him in his life here on earth has been given to us. Whatever we need in order to build bridges and to bless people and to encourage them and to love them so that they want to know more about what it is to follow Jesus, everything that we need to build bridges for those lives in God in order for them to come home, we have it. It's ours. We're not alone. So often we get this picture of Jesus says that, and we just like shut down the door and close the door behind us and say, well, come back to you guys and do that. Good luck. That's not what he does. He stands back and goes with us to the Holy Spirit. We're on a mission with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is already at work around us. He's already trying to bring people back into God's family. All He's asking us to do is deal with the program. I mean, to help it. Work with Him. Sometimes bluntness brings up. When we follow Jesus, He will send us as missionaries to our community. He'll first and foremost, He will send us to our community, Bay County. And there's no reason for us to get into our fears or anxieties and go, you know, it's just too big, too hard, people are scary. They are. I'm not saying those things aren't true. I'm saying anxieties and fears should not rule our lives. We have been given the Holy Spirit, a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Holy Spirit. And he's the one who helps us to live as sent ones. Just like he did with Jesus. So, after you said, I have a story to share for God's glory, and it's my story of how Jesus made me part of his story. So, how do I prepare my story? Because, you know, right now I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say. I'm glad you asked. That's paper. Actually, what I would suggest to do is just take some cards that you put in. It's hard to read this thing. One of the reasons I chose this color. Look at all the back. The back is blank. So here's the map. The first step. The first step in preparing your story. The first thing you need to pray. Step number one. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to prepare to share.
I'm going to tell you what I learned by the because it just, it still blows my mind. I, I know this all my life, this year I grew up in, I grew up in the church. Jesus prayed. I was just reminded of that this week. I started the devotional series of reading called The Prayers of Jesus. It's just, I've never done this before. It just blew my mind. A rip. But in the beginning of Matthew, Matthew, all kinds of Jesus prayed. Luke, Mark, all kinds of Jesus prayed. Luke, all the kinds of Jesus prayed. Generation started now. I just said, all right, let's get out of here. Luke, all kinds of Jesus prayed in God. He prayed a lot. That's what I learned this week. Nobody's impressed, but that's okay. I will. What did I hear from the Holy Spirit this week when I took time to listen to Him? And then, since I found two or three ways that I, that I know that I did point people to Jesus. Now, the nice thing about doing is you can try to do this on your own, and you'll have to try that you will probably not keep it up for very long. We need to help each other. So, my first suggestion is that you need talk to some people in your circle already here in the church, church family. Say, I really want to do this. Can we help each other? Now, we can get all technical and organized, and you can you know, sign up sheets and get assigned to people and all that kind of thing, but I don't want to do that. I want you to just kind of do it on your own. Find three people, two or three people. If you want two couples to go together and help each other, the whole point of this is to help each other. To protect each other from saying I'm going to do something and then not doing it. You know, it's really not a good idea to tell Jesus you're going to do this and then not do it. Yeah, there's a sermon in there, but it's not for the people. Okay, this final habit is to begin identifying yourself as a missionary to someone by journaling, by recording what God is doing in and through you and alerting you to what He's done. You can do this every day. You can write down stuff every day. You can do it once a week, whatever you want to do. You can meet with people over the phone. You can meet with them over coffee. Don't, don't look down on something that seems small. I mean, I did this for somebody. Really wasn't that. Stop with the but it really wasn't. Okay? If Jesus asked you to bless somebody and you did some little thing like dropping a note of encouragement or even send them an email or, or something like that, don't go, oh, I really wasn't much. Baloney. If you do anything in the name of Jesus, it's going to change the world. Okay, the first thing was pray. The second thing was write and rewrite. The third thing is pray and encourage each other. And the fourth thing is pray. Ask the Holy Spirit for some, some of the blessings of God's kingdom to break into our world right now. What do we mean by that? God's kingdom is here, but it is not here completely. It will 
will be here completely when there is no more sickness, no more death, no more dying, and everybody focused on Jesus. And when we call what we call miracles happen, it's simply stuff God's plan for us all to experience in the future, breaking into the present. Ask him to do some of that. Do good stuff now. You want some of that now. You know how it is. Mom's fixing lunch. You want some of that good stuff now, Mom. Trust me, it will not ruin my appetite. One of the ways you can do that when we do this, and I want to encourage you to do it, I want you to know that this is important. We pray for them to heal people. We say, everybody's going to be healed in this kingdom. Everybody's going to be healed. So we want some of that now. You have a problem with that. Talk to Jesus. That's one of the three things we went around doing. People. And then they suddenly go, wow, that's different. That's not to be involved. I was dying and now I'm not. They picked this up. We need to, when we see a healing, when we see God do something that changes somebody's life, Informing them, setting them free from a habit or a, an addiction. We need to make a record of that so that when we are praying for someone else, we have a reminder. Hey, you did it once. You do it again. Say, Lord, we want some of that stuff now. Oh, and here's the fifth step. Pray more. That's the Holy Spirit to give opportunities to you to share your story for His glory. Okay, I, I prayed. I've asked you to help me. I've re- written and rewritten my story. I've got it down. I'm ready. I've prayed. I've been praying for people. I've been blessing people. I've been eating. Give me a chance just to tell my story. Called us, you sent us, you've given us your Holy Spirit. We are, we have what we need, but we haven't necessarily prepared ourselves. So help us to prepare. Help us to ponder and to think about how you came, how you used to be, and what you did, how you, how you came in. Help us to be forgiven and realize that we need to do it because how we think and how our lives are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
those opportunities to be who you are as you praise and glory by building bridges to people in front of you and family. 